What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Fire Talk here with the It's Lit Reviews team. I am your host, Jake, joined by Cole, Matt, and Adam. Ron is not with us here this week, but he is, of course, with us in spirit. We'll have to see what kind of crazy shenanigans and ideas we can always toss out uh, in in honor of of Ron's off-the-wall ideas that he always has that we know and love. Uh, So today, we're going to be jumping into a few things. We're going to be talking about Hamilton. We're going to be talking about Disney Plus a little bit more and some of the summer summer shows and movies coming out there. And then lastly, we're going to dive into a little bit of fan film theory action uh, around the future of Phase 4 of the MCU. So that's really exciting. But before we get started, or as to get things started, I guess is the better way to say that, let's kick off with everyone's most highly anticipated Disney Plus release for this summer. The Mighty Ducks. Yeah, quack, maybe quack, quack, for some quack. people. <laughs> Honestly, it's probably pretty close because everything, other than you know the other film that we're going to talk about, and that's Hamilton that came out this Friday, this past Friday, everything that it's on this list is either stuff that I'm like, oh, that's okay to see, or I've already, I already own it because of the my kids. Like Incredibles two, own it. Nice, see, I Peanuts, see. Peanuts movie, own it. Okay, but you're like the only person in the world who still buys movies. So I don't actually buy. I don't. So let me let's get this straight. I'm not like Ron. I didn't go out and invest in a bunch of Blu-rays that I now have to store. It's all digital content. And if you read the rights behind that digital content, they reserve the right to revoke it at any time because they could just stop having it on their servers. In which case, you know, you don't actually own it anymore. Congratulations. Weird. At that I mean, point, you, you, you never know, let's act, be honest. You never actually own it. You you, you own a lease it. to it. Yes, exactly right. But that's a different conversation for another day about ownership of, of content. So kicking but, things I mean, off. That, that lease probably lasts as long as the uh, technology behind the hard copy anyway. So That's probably true too. As long as it gives you a few, like a, a dozen years or so, I think you'd probably be, you'd consider that a win. Hey, Private property lease... is a construct, comrade. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. And, and to, now we're going to dive into the Marxist teachings. Of... Anyways. Anyways. I'm pretty sure that's not what Hamilton stood for, Matt. <laughs> I didn't see that in Hamilton anyway. Uh, so if you, if you haven't been living under a rock for like the last, uh, I don't know, year and a half now, uh, you've probably heard of Hamilton. You've probably heard of Lin-Manuel Miranda because they are both sweeping the nation. They took the nation by storm when Lin-Manuel Miranda came out with his musical, rap musical, uh, hip hop musical. I don't know the best phrase for hip-hop it. Musical. Hip hop musical. Yeah. Hamilton, a biography essentially of Alexander Hamilton, one of the founding fathers of America, who, in Lin Manuel Miranda's opinion and the opinion of many others, doesn't get the credit he deserves for what he helped the country accomplish in its early days. Uh, so the tickets to this musical, it's on Broadway and it's traveling, it's all over the place. On well, average, not right now. Well, yeah, not right now because you know. <laughs> Not doing much. Full of shit. <laughs> Before 2020 happened, you know, <laughs> uh, the musical was touring and it was on Broadway. And I mean, you were looking in the mid hundred dollars to, I mean, in the thousands of dollars for tickets to this. So it coming to Disney Plus, huge uh, audience for this. Many people want to see it's, it. Couldn't afford it's a to game see changer. It. Mm-hmm. And it's something that. After watching the newsies on Disney Plus as well and the recording of the musical on there, I think I would love to see more musicals follow this. Um, I don't know how it would financially impact them. 
but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the actual musical recording itself. How did you think it went or how did you think it was? Um, especially, I know there's a few of us, at least two of us that have seen it live as well and how it compared to uh, the, the recorded version. Uh, so I went into this expecting... Perfection. I mean, I, well, obviously I went into it expecting to enjoy it because I, I am a huge fan of Hamilton. Uh, but I went into it expecting to think of it as a lesser experience to seeing it live. And in some ways, I still think that's true because I, I, I do think there's something to seeing a live performance that just can't be captured in any sort of film medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I was surprised by was how much I enjoyed the things like the close-ups on the actors' faces. The um, aspect that you don't get from the live. Yeah, exactly. The thing. Yeah, that I mean, unless you're front row in center in some of these theaters, which I mean, you're talking buku bucks. So kudos to anybody who can do that. Uh, <laughs> that at several points, I felt like really improved the experience. Like getting the close-ups on Angelica Schuyler during Satisfied, it was incredible. Like, yeah, you can see you get that extra taste of what these like um, like the Tony Award voters and stuff are seeing and why they're that extra reasons why they're they're voting for these different individuals for best supporting actress and actor and best leading actor and actress and stuff like that for the musical because they're up close enough to see all those little pieces where yeah if you have some of the balcony seats you're still getting a phenomenal show but you miss some of those smaller nuances that you can't quite tell in the facial expressions of like maybe they're a little bit more pained looking than you could see from that far away or maybe they're a little bit more sad looking and stuff like that that I agree you get with the the recording of it and it's a really cool uh, asset to have with like that type of medium to your point i agree with you matt i think the reason you can't duplicate the experience of the theater is that at any given moment in these ensemble and chorus numbers like you never know what's going to catch your eye as an audience member and draw yeah. you away like you're not mm-hmm. always focused on whoever's singing and whoever's like front and center your eyes go to like different side things and up to the above and and especially like uh, seeing a show multiple times like Mm -hmm. there there are always little things like okay the first time I see it I'm focused on the lead actor at the center of the stage singing this song but this time I'm going to look over at this person see what they're doing over here and yep like I automatically want to go back and rewatch it now because I was reading a article about a character in Hamilton who's like credited as the bullet oh yeah 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 and so apparently everybody who she comes in contact with dies and it's really interesting that like now i want to go back and just watch her character to see like what they're actually talking about because it's really interesting it's not like done in like a overtly like oh i'm making contact with this person it's foreshadowing it's just like it's happenstance quote unquote but i mean it's planned out by lin-manuel miranda as part of the screenplay where she is like the embodiment of death going from person to person <laughs> yeah and i mean there are all those little things that you don't get from like listening to the the cast recording yeah um yeah i mean just all these little like staging things that really deepen the experience like one of the things i noticed watching it this weekend was in the background of the scene uh when burr and jefferson and madison are confronting hamilton about his financial stuff uh, Mariah Reynolds is just lurking in the background through that entire scene. Ah, I didn't even notice that. Yep. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, and oh, I, I just think it? there are there are performances and stuff that really don't hit you unless you're watching them be performed. Like, 
uh, I think a lot of people really slept on the role of Eliza Hamilton and Philippa Sue in the cast recording because she just comes off as this like passive character. Uh, but when you can like see her and like watch her emotions and things like that, it, it really drives home that role. I get what you're saying. Cole, Adam, what'd you guys think? Well, I've, I had never seen it live, um, but I've seen a lot of plays and not a plays, a lot of musicals live and things like that. Never been to Broadway or anything, but um, I thought it did a really good job of taking the aspects of a stage performance and putting it onto um, uh, video for lack of a better term well um, I really loved uh, Diggs that played Jefferson and uh, De Lafayette uh, I thought he was an amazing and I, I didn't do a ton of background research I don't know if he was he won a Tony but he, he did, did an amazing job okay he should have <laughs> <laughs> he found out he won and then he's like yep he definitely should have got yeah. it called it <laughs> <laughs> but that uh the, the couple scenes between him and Hamilton uh, when they're going back and forth at the uh, uh, what's it called the the meet the council meeting or whatever oh, I the cabinet meeting the cabinet yeah. meeting I just love those they're so Rap good battles baby they're awesome yeah and it was just like and okay so I love I really did like Lin Manuel Miranda but his rapping is not he, as fluid no, as I would have liked it the man is a genius uh, a great actor and singer he is not like he yeah he's, he's good like he does a he does a, a fine job like he carries the part but compared to everyone else in the cast like he's just on a completely lower level yeah and i and i really appreciated aaron burr the guy that played uh leslie odom i also won a tony he, yeah i saw that on your facebook like i figured based on your facebook post he was well <laughs> on his way <laughs> but <laughs> but uh i just i love that character and i mean like literally as i was watching it yesterday night i was like doing research on the internet about different things that happened because i'm like i didn't i didn't yeah. know any of this was mm -hmm. actually happening like you know i i knew at some point you know uh aaron burr shot alexander hamilton because i'd seen it in a movie sometime but i didn't really know like any of the story behind it and i really didn't know much about Ale alexander hamilton that much at all and um i just i really loved it i'll probably watch it again um, it was it was really good, and I'll be listening to the soundtrack. So, one yeah, of the, the one of the things that I've found really interesting just in the few days since it's come out is how much the like cultural conversation around it has changed since four years ago when it hit it big. Uh, was like it four there, years ago already, dang. Yeah, yeah. twenty sixteen. Uh, like just the all the people who are like. Like everyone still loves it, but there's a lot more like critical discussion about like how much of a sanitized version this is of American history still. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they mention they they make mention to like um, speaking out against slavery and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like not there's a, some brief allusions, but it's in no way a main aspect of the play. Yeah, it's not addressed uh, heavily at all. Which, I mean, I'd have to research this more, and I, I think that's part of what you're talking about too about how much sanitized it is. It's like I have no idea how much that was a conversation when the country was being founded either. And so yeah, it, yeah. it is interesting. Like I'm, I'm sure there are people out there that are like, it was a huge conversation piece. And I, it, you're right. It goes to show like how much of our history it is being opened up to like, wow, we weren't taught this at all. So it's really, yeah. it really is kind of interesting topic to have. Oh, um, one, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you met, you brought mentioned Cole to like one of my favorite parts of the musical itself 
and that's the duplicity of it like the the characters playing different people in the first duality act the duality sorry not duplicity i guess you're I, right. yeah. I was very confused by where you were going <laughs> the duality of the characters being played uh in the first half and the second half because it, it goes to show it, it it takes some of the things into context even more of like he promises lafayette at the end of the first act that he's like I'll be, we'll be right there with you man like as soon as it happens and then he's arguing against the guy who played lafayette and thomas jefferson mm-hmm. saying like we don't need to help him like come on like get well, out of here when you once you realize like that those characters are played by the same person jefferson's line at the beginning of act two where have you been france mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like that just becomes a great joke once you realize that that's the same person yes <laughs> Which is a testament to the actors too, because listening only to the recording without doing any kind of research into it, like they sing in such different mannerisms and stuff too. Like I had no idea they were the same people until Mm -hmm. like I started looking into it and I was like, these are credited as the same actor. Like, how is that possible? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's such a testament to like David Diggs and his acting ability. Like, oh, he's great. Just two completely different characters. Yes. Yeah. By the way, I didn't realize this till. I think it was the second song by King George, Jonathan Groff, that plays him. Uh-huh. Is also the main character in Mindhunter on Netflix. Oh which yeah, is one of my favorite shows. Uh, I like nice. I'm, I'm sitting there watching him, and I'm like, I know that guy. Like that face is. I had to like look him up on IMDb, but also his character. I mean, like the way he played it. <laughs> I didn't even know he like watching him on Mindhunter and then seeing him play King George. I mean, just like opposite roles. <laughs> But uh, his skill set, I didn't even know he was like that skilled as a, an actor, whether it be stage or on film. Yeah, King so. George is one of my favorite ones in that play. He's, he's just so comic like. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I, think the, I think the part that I enjoyed about it too with the, it, I mean, it's the same thing that goes with recordings and the way like this was put together. The live version, and you lose this in all, any kind of theater, um, so I mean, it's not a, it's it's just kind of the theater environment, is that it was so much easier to understand everybody too when you have like all of the polishing on the sound and everything like that with the, like the recorded version. Whether compared to listening live, when you have some of the sound getting overlapped or it's getting drowned out by some of the other mics being uh, picked up and things like that. And so I did like that a lot more as somebody as being able to have seen it both places, but overall i wouldn't say like one's better than the other i think they're both worth watching for no, the point as, of as far as like the the future of this idea and like the impact it would have all i see is this opening it up to a wider audience who then is like oh i want to go see this live now with a different cast and see how they do you know what i mean agreed also it might it might deter hollywood from ruining oh gosh because i can't maybe maybe um the i'm trying to think of one good musical that hollywood's done well (laughs) or if you're going to do it like there's a difference between like a decent musical that hollywood has done and like a musical that successfully makes the transition from stage to film yeah I, i can think of one please what are you thinking of the name Susie's. Oh, yeah. Well, Newsies went their opposite direction, didn't it? It was a movie no, first. No, they had... No? I feel like it was Broadway before it was a movie. But I may oh, be we can fact-check this. I'm, yeah, I'm fact-checking right now. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think, mean... 
that's one of the ones that I think, and I may be wrong, so I'm gonna wait till this fat check gets done. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was a, it was a movie first adapted to Broadway. Oh, oh, learn something well, every day. That one worked really, really well going that way. So, so yeah, I mean that yeah. direction has typically worked fine, but yeah, for some reason the filmed versions of stage shows just do not translate all that well. My question is, why don't they just take these original casts? and put them in the well, movie. Okay, oh. let's talk oh. about that though cuz Rent okay, did that and the Rent movie is not great. It's not great. Well, no. they made some changes though too. Like there some, was not, a couple not the changes. whole cast. A couple changes, but it was by and large the the original cast. I and like I think, the Rent movie. Okay, I haven't no. seen that live though, so I don't have anything to compare it to. I think they the have... Rent movie the using the original cast is actually part of the problem I have with it. Because when you have a bunch of 22-year-olds talking about how they want to make art and not pay their rent, you're like, oh, you're young. That's fine. When it's a bunch of 35, 40-year-olds talking about how they want to make your art, make art and not pay their rent, you're like, really? Isn't it time to like, be a little more responsible? I mean, and I saw... That's fair. I, yeah. And I've seen Les Mis. I saw, the Les, I saw Les Mis live oh. in Chicago. And then I saw the movie Les Mis in the theaters when it came out. And I'm... Oh. <laughs> poor Russell. Well, they they took a lot. Of, they took Grimm. a lot of creative liberties with that one, as far as how they filmed it. I mean, the, I think which you said think creative was... liberties, and then you meant stupid decisions for having <laughs> them sing live <laughs> instead of just recording it. And creative and the, liberties. Like, and the lame is, a, and the like, movie underst- is probably one of the more successful transitions. Yeah. If we want to, I no. understand what they were trying to accomplish. They just didn't do it well. Tried. They tried. <laughs> to me, the best yeah, part about that, for that was Eddie Redmayne, and that was it. He was oh, the he was best great. part. Yeah, and I liked him a lot. No, uh, she wasn't. He wasn't the best part though. Eponine, the singer that played Eponine. Okay. Part of that movie. Well, she part of the reason she the was great was because she's a Broadway actress who they got. Ah, see, there you go. Uh, see, she I mean, was first. Technically, isn't by... Hugh Jackman a Broadway actor? Yeah, he no, is. and and Hugh Jackman did. He great. did a decent. Yeah, job. he did too. I just. I like okay. Eddie Redmayne better, but that's fine. I love Hugh Jackman. He was just okay in Les Mis. But, yeah. but anyways, I think you're right. I think this. I think this could pave the way for more people. I think the the people that see this and be like, okay, now I don't need to go see it in theater, are few and far between. Are usually the people who are like, I'm not going to go see it in theater anyway. <laughs> kind think, of people. Yeah. Um, so I, I think really... you're right on that with what you what you're predicting with this. I really would have liked to see how Disney's original plan played out when they were planning to release this in like movie theaters. Oh, mm. I'd have gone to see it a couple of times. Yeah, I, I think it. a lot of people would have. I think and a lot of people would have paid to see this. They might still do it. Who knows? I, yeah. I mean, I'd, let's be honest. I'd still go to a theater. They released it right now, even with it, it on Disney+. Plus. If Corona wasn't going on, I'd go see it in theater. Without yeah. a doubt. Give me that big screen with the theatrical sound. Yep, surround sound. I mean, that's just part of the experience of going to the theater. If you have something good, if you have good content, theater atmospheres make it better. Mm-hmm. And then I can pay 20 bucks to see it in a, a big production rather than, you know. <laughs> yeah, rather than 500 for two tickets. <laughs> yeah. Which were completely worth it, by the way. <laughs> so. So with that being said, so we know Hamilton was the most awaited. Matt's already touched on one of the other uh, summer blockbusters, quote unquote, to hit Disney Plus this summer. The, Disney was Disney trying. Has officially branded them as their summer movie nights. I'm pretty sure they have. Uh, they are trying to make the summer movie slate feel like it's still happening, even it's though it's really just 
Disney getting the rights back to some of their movies that they made. I was going to say, let's, to, let's uh, be real still, talk here. Yeah. <laughs> it's the transition from Netflix back to Disney. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now, he's like, you know, this Disney Plus thing, it's working out for us. Let's just make sure we get all of our content back now so nobody <laughs> else can have it. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, they had gotten the rights to all of these back, like, a month ago and we're like, let's hold them and, like, release them on this schedule. <laughs> yeah. No, but, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. People engaged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, which ones are you guys most pick? Give me your top one. What movie night are you most you my, excited for? Can I give you my bottom one first? Uh, yes. Sure. Uh, Friday, July 17th, X-Men Apocalypse. That movie was <laughs> For sure. No I'm going to give you the Ron take on here. Bro, what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, it's X-Men Apocalypse was dope. <laughs> that movie was packed with action. That's my that's my Ron take for you on that because I'm pretty sure he'd agree. It's only it's I, I don't think he really, would actually. It's followed really really closely by Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yeah, yeah. both of those are and, trash. And they're and they're back to back weekends too. That's yeah, the best. The end part. of July is not great. <laughs> I mean, actually, the end end of July is not bad. Incredibles two is a pretty good movie. True, Incredibles two is solid. I was just happy you didn't say the Wolverine Matt because I love me even X Men Origins Wolverine. I do not okay. hate that movie nearly as much as a lot of people do. What they did, what they did to Ryan Reynolds in that movie is an atrocity, and they know it. Like Fox has openly like admitted that they screwed that up big, big time. But overall, you put Hugh Jackman in the role of Wolverine, and I will watch it and be wildly entertained. I mean, we already know you have questionable opinions about superhero movies, Jake. This so. is true. <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big superhero nerd. It has to be a pretty bad superhero movie for me to not enjoy it. Um, I think the one I'm looking forward to the most, though, honestly, is probably Solo. So I'll, I'll give I'll give Ron his his Star Wars shout out here. Uh, Solo is one that I was late getting to the party watching. I was impressed with it, and I want to go back and watch it again to see if I still like it as much because the rest of them I've pretty much seen multiple multiple times. Like X Men: Days of Future Past, love that movie. Love the time traveling aspect of it. It's amazing. Um, I think they do a good job. And like all the other movies, Greatest Showman. The original X-Men, great. Original X-Men's in there, yeah. Yep. Greatest Showman, my wife's going to watch probably three times like that weekend when it comes out because she loves the the movie and the soundtrack. So Beauty and the Beast, meh. Yeah, it was okay. Um, Oh, I like it. My girls like it too. I watched it once. But I'd just rather watch the animated one. Yeah, me too. I'd rather watch that. I like the music in the new live action over the animated it just seems i don't know better i just like there's there's more to it there's more emotion to it um be our I guest fails disagree. in comparison but i don't know I, I like everything else about it i have a hard time with disney's live action films compared to their animated ones anyway it's just for the most part, I think it's just so hard. You can do more with animation than you can with actual people. And like, even in like as much CGI as you're trying to animate there, it just doesn't look right. Yeah, but at least they didn't pull a Lion King and call it a live action <laughs> when it really wasn't. Yes. When it's literally just a different style of animation. Yeah. Really? Yep. Yeah, 100%. Uh, no, I, I mean, I don't want to dive too deep into the Disney live action discussion here. Uh, I just think where they've been most successful in making good movies is when they've gotten furthest away from the original movie. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I think if they, like for their upcoming Little Mermaid one and stuff like that, I think 
when you're, you're right, because then you avoid the direct comparisons from yeah. the animation to... I mean, these movies that they're doing are all so beloved. Like, you're never going to make a version of The Lion King that is better than the animated Lion King. Correct. Like, why, why are you bothering to try and redo this to make something worse? The next thing we're going to have is a live-action Toy Story. But like, unless... <laughs> like, unless... The one, like terrifying. I said, the ones that have like distanced themselves from their original, like Maleficent, very different from Sleeping Beauty. I really enjoyed Maleficent. Yeah, good movie. Uh, mm-hmm. so the, different per- the different perspective. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. you're telling... You're like, what if you told the Lion King from, Star- from Scar's version the, only- the entire time? Like, Scar's perspective on the Lion King, showing all of his plotting and stuff behind the scenes. Like, that would have made for a better Lion King movie than what we got. I'm pretty depressive. Though. Like I'm, Scar's yeah, pretty I'm depressing. Pretty depressing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was just like, I'm, the first so like, I could think of. <laughs> I'm really excited for when Mulan finally comes out because it sounds like it's going to be a very different take on the story than the animated one is. Although people are trying to cancel that movie right now. Yeah, the well. two late, the two lead actors are being supportive of communist China instead of Hong Kong protesters, and so uh, there's some uproar on that well, one. I mean, they want to have a career still, so <laughs> I don't blame <Yeah>. them. <laughs> so, Aaron Burr, guys, Aaron Burr, okay? <laughs> Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. Too uh, true. No, I do want to talk about Solo quick, though. Uh, what about my? Because I got a hot take on that movie. All right, I'll uh, try to give you the best Ron impression as a rebuttal. So, uh, I think. Solo would have been a really good movie if it wasn't about Han Solo. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I think Solo oh, would have that done is... way better had they not smashed it in between all of the the new sequels. I mean, the best part about Solo is Donald Glover and Ron's not Whoa. here to argue Solo, with me. So. Solo is the best Star Wars movie to happen since Rogue One. Yeah, I might agree if it were about Han Solo. <laughs> like, it's a, it's a fun movie. Like, the, the whole, like, heist plot is great. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff that goes on. My problem is the character of Han Solo we see in, the, in that movie is essentially the character of Han Solo at the end of the original trilogy. Like he's a good dude who's like want, trying to be a hero uh, and stuff. Not, That's not, not what Han Solo is supposed self-centered. to be at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's none of the character arc there. Like there's just yeah. That just immediately I was like, what are we doing here? Like but you can't make a solo movie and not have it be about Han Solo, Matt. Come on, what are you thinking? No, I'm saying if this had been like a standalone like story set in the Star Wars universe, just divorced from any of these other characters. I would have probably loved it. I just don't love it as a movie about Han Solo because to me, it did not capture Han Solo. Wait, so you mean well, you want Disney they, to depart they, from their connected their universe? Vault of, their vault of well-known characters? Come on. I feel like I have stated my opinion many times on this podcast <laughs> about how I feel about the Skywalker saga. So, <laughs> Yeah, we well, don't need to dive back into that. What are you mm-hmm. going to say, Adam? How much of that goes back to his acting in that film? There were a lot of reported issues with his acting and or inability to act in that in the production of that. So I mean, I I didn't think there was a problem with his acting necessarily, uh, but it could be. I don't know. Maybe there. I mean, yeah. It seems like having selfish acts is more of a plot point than an acting choice. Um, I mean, maybe you have some little nuances that he could be more jerkish 
or like selfish about, but I don't, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe they altered the script because he couldn't pull off the selfishness a little bit. The world will never know. And uh, just looking at um, Aiden that played him, the guy that played him, Aiden, whatever. I can't remember how to say his last name. Yeah. Alter, all right, Alden. Um, <laughs> he is literally, except for now, got a TV show in post-production, but since Solo, he's done nothing. Yeah, I mean, so, he was, he's the he next was Hayden really, Christensen. Really kind of an unknown before the movie happened and hasn't really been in anything since. A Hayden Christensen. I mean, he's definitely a better actor than Hayden Christensen was. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, bro, sand is coarse and rough, and it gets everywhere. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm Ron, so glad Ron's Ron, not here. For when right you're now. here, I love you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so switching gears, so we actually kind of spiraled a little bit onto the, from like the talking about the summer blockbusters into into talking about like theories and what we want to see anyway. So we'll, we'll use that to springboard right into the MCU, uh, which I know anybody listening to the podcast probably like really again, but I promise we're talking about something new this time. Well, I mean, first of all, I think this is since the start of the MCU, the longest we've gone without an MCU movie. It is. It it, is. I'm having withdrawal symptoms, man, over here. Like that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's going to be over a year from Spider-Man Far From Home before Black Widow comes out. Which is the movie we're going to talk about? See, that's how you do a transition, Jake. There you go. Look at that. Look at the pro. Just showing me up in my own game here. (laughs) So the conversation came up in our group chat around what's happening with Phase Four, and Matt found a video by Cole. What's the guy's name again? Matt. Matt Pat. Yep. Matt Pat, YouTuber Matt Pat. He does uh, film theories and game theory. There's two popular videos. Uh, or set, they're like styles of videos. And so he has a theory that Black Widow is way more important to phase four than anybody thought originally. They thought it was kind of just the throwaway filler movie to make sure the MCU still made money because, you know, they haven't made enough of it uh, Well, and, while and, they waited for phase four to officially kick off. I mean, there have been a lot of people who have been like, oh, this is just them finally giving Black Widow a movie. Yep, just know. trying to appease people, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So Matt Pat goes into a deep theory, and I mean deep. It's uh, we're talking like <laughs> seven shades deep here, of how Black Widow is going to set up the Dark Avengers being the next Marvel like big bad big overarching story. Yeah. The next Thanos essentially is what we're thinking about here, and so there are some really good points in here about like the Thunderbolts and stuff like that. Uh, but I'll let Matt and Cole. I'm, I disagree with the theory for the most part, so I'll let Matt and Cole talk about it first. Uh, what do you like and dislike about the theory? I mean, I to think, start with, oh, you can go ahead, Cole. No, 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 Matt, you seemed like you, because you put it in the Discord, so I ran our uh, To start it, with, so. I think the initial point that the fact that Disney keeps delaying this movie uh, signifies it having some sort of greater importance than people have been assuming, I think that's spot on. 100%. I think if this was just a throwaway mm-hmm. one shot, they'd be like, you know what? Let's keep our release schedule. Let's not keep pushing back these other movies. Let's just throw this on Disney Plus. Like, uh, yep. Yep. so I think the fact that they are deliberately and purposefully holding this for theaters, pushing it back again and again, uh, there's got to be something going on here. Well, and to that point too, it's not just pushing this movie, and I think you said it, but I'm, I'm gonna repeat it again. It's pushing all the movies behind it too. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. not just altering one timeline. I mean, they're pushing back movies for two years 
because they need this one to happen first. It, it, I agree with you. There's definitely something that happens in this movie that sets the stage for phase four. Otherwise, well, it wouldn't make sense for them to be delaying everything. Like, and another thing that I thought about was like, because he compared it in the in his video, he compared it a little bit to not a little bit. He compared it to Phase One with Iron Man, and like, there had to, there has to be something. I mean, this is Phase Four. This is if you just throw do a throwaway throwaway movie to kick off your fourth phase of yeah something you've been. I mean, that would be dumb. <laughs> so I feel like. Especially since after yeah. they made it so clear that Spider-Man Far From Home was the end of Phase 3, not the yeah. beginning of Phase 4. Like, they were very deliberate to make that distinction. Yeah. So there's got to be, like, to, to me, I, I loved, and, and so I don't know how deep you want me to get into this theory without going in order of what he talked about, but I'm going to get into it. I loved the, uh, the theory that Natasha was played by, uh, oh, shoot, what's her name? Um, in the last one and a half movies of the, uh, that she was Avengers. actually a doppelganger. He was a doppelganger. Natasha. Yes, I loved it. And then when he showed that clip of her with the perfect hairline, about you know, mm-hmm, I was like, mm-hmm. ooh, that is that's legit. I mean, but those are things like when you watch like I've watched that trailer probably ten, twelve times. I didn't notice that, but when you do a pause and you look at things, ah. Uh, why was her hair blonde? Well, I know we're in a little bit of Ron territory right now, and I kind of miss <laughs> not having Ron here with no, us. Like, this, this video is 100% Ron, and that's why I say you get, it gets like it, it goes like it makes the same giant strides that Ron tends to make to his, with his theories here. Okay, and the fact that, like, <laughs> well, they never explain though. that she has blonde hair, so how do we know that she's not an imposter? <laughs> there's, there's a very key difference, though. I think this is right. <laughs> <laughs> And as we know, Ron can't be right. So, <laughs> well, and then he gets into the thing with AIM or AIM or whatever. And I know there was like a one-off in one movie for a little bit there. And now he's mm-hmm. now it's back. And if you take the video and you flip it this way, you can see that she's laying. <laughs> I mean, if there's anything we've learned about Marvel, they are amazing at planting small, tiny yep. seeds and bringing them back later and making it make sense. Like, you know, yep. What honestly really sold me on this theory was the hair thing. Uh, because the blonde hair never, like, I was just like, oh, she's blonde now. Uh, she was nobody... avoiding the U.S. government. Of course she's going to die. Oh, my hair. gosh. It's like stage one of no, evasion. Okay. No, 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 here's, no, no, no. Here's she's the Black point. Widow. You think here's blonde the point hair I'm is going to change it? Nobody in the movies that I can recall commented on her, her changing her hair. Captain Marvel changed her hair instantly it was commented on it was commented they on. didn't want to draw attention to it and now we've reached 200 the iq <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna qu- i think there's another famous youtuber that says uh, big brain time is what i think is how <laughs> that I is markiplier that. or Mark- jacksepticeye <laughs> yep <laughs> Jeez. big brain time big brain time all right so honestly i think the video itself is pretty well thought out and i like how it actually would work because you know that it's not going to go like the next avengers movie isn't going to be like the big bad it's not like the next thanos is going to show up in the first movie you need at least two other avengers movies to happen team up movies before they get to that that big bad but you've got to start laying the groundwork Mm -hmm. and which is which is what i like though with like the idea behind like the thunderbolts and things like that too that's mentioned in a theory which is a i mean it's a uh, to give a quick overview it's bad guys that everybody reading the comic book knows are bad guys but are presented as good guys for at least a short while inside the comic books for everybody that's at home uh 
and so I think that would be a really interesting one to set up as they like unmask those people or like those individuals in the process of one of the Avengers movies, like the Avengers versus the Thunderbolts make a ton of sense. The problem I have with it is that it really avoids the cosmic element that Disney is and Marvel is so clearly been going after with the guardians of the galaxies and the Thor love and thunder. We were going back into space for this next movie, like a hundred percent there's going to be some kind of galactic element to the next Avengers big bad. It's going to be like a Galactus. It's going to be somebody much larger than a dark Avengers team. I, I mean, there are ways to lead into that with a dark Avengers team though. Cause there's somebody pulling the strings behind the dark Avengers, right? Yeah. And so well, that's where I was, his, his theory is that the Dark Avengers is going to be like the next big bad. I don't think so. I think it would have to be somebody else behind the scenes like Dr. Doom or something like that that's pulling the strings of the Dark Avengers. And then so you, you could, think I, there, there's another step beyond that. Correct. I, I don't think I'd, that's where I'd it probably agree with you. Um, my personal favorite theory is not actually Galactus. I think Galactus would be cool to see. Um, I think they'd have a hard time making it believable because he's like, I mean, he literally eats planets. I mean, the dudes, I don't know how you actually bring that to the big screen and not make it just look like a CGI yeah, mess. Yeah, and not like animated. <laughs> yeah, that would definitely be difficult. Yeah, so I don't see that happening because um, nobody wants a space cloud of Galactus like we got in the Fantastic Four movie either. Um, or the dark seed that we got in Justice League. Yeah, we'll, well, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, I'm not thrilled about how he looks right now, but that's a different conversation for a different day. <laughs> So my favorite idea is that they're doing the, I think the Secret Wars is going to be the next big storyline. And I think it ties really well into what you guys are talking about with like the body swapping. It's going to start setting the stage of these individuals not knowing who's actually who they say they are. We have the scrolls who we've already seen impersonating other people on here. And we start getting into a whole battle of who's actually who they say they are and who's not. And I think that's what can be revealed more and more bit by bit, by bit as we go through to an all-out battle as we get to people being released and stuff like that. I've got something to say, Jake, because as you, as you were talking about Galactus, and I, I didn't know much about him, so I did a quick little Google search of Galactus and Dark Avengers together. Um, <laughs> he's actually the main character or main antagonist of Dark Avengers, Devourer of Worlds. So there can be that connection point that we've been talking about of Dark Avengers and Galactus. I'm just saying. Look at Cole coming in with the comic book knowledge. I had to Google it. I had to look it up. It's a fandom <laughs> wiki, but I'm just saying I got a picture. I got a fandom wiki to prove it. I'm just I'm like, okay. Yeah. I want to, I want to back down from the universe implications of all this. Cause I just okay. had a thought that might poke a whole hole into this entire theory. Poke a hole in the universe. Your theory that you, that you set <laughs> yep. out there. Yep. Just had this thought. If uh, Natasha was replaced by a double, would oh. the Soul Stone thing still have worked? Mm. Well, I mean, yes, because Clint still sacrificed her and he cared about her and thought about her the same way that she, like, in his head, she is still the Black Widow that he knows and loves. And so he's sacrificing somebody that he loves still. At least but he also, thinks he loves. So, yes. If you watch but the if it's second... not actually the person he loves, it's the intent behind it, though. It's not it's not the it's not the actual like it's not doing a dna test to figure out are you actually giving up who you think you're giving up it's the mentality behind it that you have to know what it means to take a soul okay 
But yeah, if you watch, I get, I, hold I, on though, I, Matt. I'm with that. Yeah. There, there's a thing that goes along with that. If you watch Avengers Endgame, Natasha comes back with red hair in Endgame. Oh. Halfway that's, through Endgame, even yeah, he, right, said, yeah. he says it in the video. In a movie and oh, a half in that. Avengers, she has blonde hair, and then in the last half of the last movie, she has red hair again. So your hole is not there, regardless. You're right. You're right. So, just which is also why I think there's a problem with his theory. It's like, so she's going to get replaced. So either she has to be in on the replacement first and foremost, which is possible. It's possible. Um, I think that'd be a little bit more far fetched. Um, or she gets replaced and she doesn't say anything about it afterwards. Like that would be the part that I would have an issue with, and it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. But you know, she's a spy, Marvel dude. is Marvel's she's a, a spy, and I and Marvel I trust. So you know, I I will uh, yeah, allow I mean, them to make the story first, and then I'll draw my judgments after. They haven't steered us wrong yet. Nope, they have not. So overall, I think it's I think it's possible i don't think he's quite there in terms of his fan theory i think like i said i think he's thinking too small i mean it is just a theory and dark avengers is not like that small to begin with but uh, i think he is going a little bit too small i don't think he takes the theory far enough here he needed to go like to the ninth level whoa, of, whoa. he needed to go past here. ron is what you're saying yes <laughs> yes he needed to think through it a little bit more <laughs> and uh and then get to because right now he's leaving out a big part of what marvel's been trying to set up and i mean they're trying to continue to set up with like the eternals and things like that coming out too um so i do think you're right about that thank you first time for everything <laughs> so we'd no, love I to definitely hear said you're right before you're not wrong <laughs> so we'd love to hear from you guys what do you guys think we can we will include the uh video on our facebook page uh you guys can check it out let us know your thoughts on the theory itself uh hit us up in the comments dm us whatever you want to do get a hold of us if it's interesting Slide enough for an idea yep we'll even invite you on the podcast and you can share your ideas with everybody else um so don't suck if you haven't already make sure you uh subscribe to our chat or subscribe to our pages like our pages that's the stuff uh facebook instagram twitter are the big three and until next time enjoy your disney plus summer movie weekends